Hey guys, what's up? It's your buddy, William, the opinion updike of Locked On Clippers, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm joined, as I am every show, by my best friend, Charles. What's the name? Honest Chuck Mockler today. Honest Chuck Mockler. You're coming in with so much enthusiasm, I can't match that. I'm excited for today's show, all right? We're going to be talking mental health. We're going to be talking mental illness in the NBA, which has become a... It's great. It's great. Yeah, it's great that it's uh, becoming more open. So we're going to talk about uh, some new new kind of stuff going on with that. We're going to be talking about everybody's favorite new clipper. Mike Scott. The powerhouse. Prison Mike Scott. On the freshies. <laughs> we're pretty excited about that. And then to wrap up, we're going to talk about Patrick Beverly and his seemingly expanding role with the organization. And at what point should or if the Clippers should tank. Yeah. That is coming up right after this. What's up? We are back, you guys. Right off the bat, there was a great uh, piece written today by Jackie McMullen talking about mental health in the NBA. And that's kind of been, it's been slowly gaining steam, I feel like. Yeah, it's just another one of those forefronts where the NBA is the most Number progressive one. league. Um, <laughs> Thanks to DeMar and Kevin Love last year. Yeah, DeMar and Kevin, De, DeMar and Kevin Love both came out with their own kind of... Um, one with struggles of depression and the other with an account of a panic attack and you know those are those are probably the two two of the three most widespread i would say probably mental health disorders like that adhd probably being the other one yeah um so you know these are these aren't like these aren't new things no not yeah these aren't new issues um it's just always been something that's been stigmatized in in society as a whole but you know especially for men who are physically large is that you're not allowed to have mental weakness because why would you have mental weakness if you're such a peak athlete definitely i think there's something that goes along with like athletic competition where um you don't you you obviously you don't want to show any sort of um of something that could be considered like a a fault or a flaw um you got to keep this kind of facade and it makes sense you know, so it just makes sense that these guys struggle silently a lot with a lot of that stuff. Yeah, because who do you, it's so hard to, I mean, these guys literally had to resort to like just Instagram posts of like, I can't maybe find anyone to really publicly talk about this with until the article today by McMullen. Um, but yeah, and like Julie Okafor on his Instagram posted a thing too. And it's slowly getting this ball rolling of people just being like, I deal with it. Yeah. You know, like letting fans know they go through the exact same thing. Yeah. And I think that's great. Uh, I think that's great not only for the players, but obviously, you know, these people are so influential and the kids. Yeah. Like the the voice and the power that they have is is he's so widespread. So to, to see them kind of normalizing this sort of stuff that like, you know, already is so widespread yeah. is just another it's just another great, great like outreach opportunity the video of there's some of that footage of kevin love when he's having a panic attack during one of those games he's mm-hmm. like lifting his jersey up and there's that he runs back to the tunnel and then comes back and no one really knows what's happening uh-huh. and i've had panic attacks it's you're terrified yeah and i can't imagine having a panic attack when you're on the starting five of a team with lebron james on it yeah <laughs> like, oh yeah you're in the middle of a playoff push and you don't feel like yourself at all and you're having what you think is a heart attack pretty much uh I'm excited. There was, I'm excited to see what happens this year. Cause last year it felt sometimes when these things happen, I think it'll be like one big thing and then it kind of gets pushed away. And they're like, man, remember when they talked about 
anxiety once and it was great when we had that week where we all kind of talked about it mm -hmm. it feels like this is really picking up traction yeah it seems like this one might be here to stick around yeah let's hope so there was in the nfl brandon marshall he always wears green cleats for mental health awareness week mm -hmm. and because it's the nfl he gets a fine every single day he wears those cleats wow yeah they're terrible you can't anyway um but so he matches all his fines and just donates it to the mental health Foundation. That's awesome. It's amazing. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if the LA, or if, excuse me, I mean, I guess LA too, but if the NBA as a whole embraced like a big mental health awareness. Well, there was something, week. there was something in that McMullen article that cited that there was speculation that as many of, as 40% of players might either suffer diagnosed it. or undiagnosed from mental illness stuff, which would actually be, uh, I, th I think that would be pretty close, close to the to, average, to, a little bit higher than the national average, but like yeah. pretty close. Um, so yeah, it would be, it would be really interesting and cool if they, if, if this did become more than just a one-time conversation or a one-time thing. Um, I think it's really easy to get up in arms about a subject, you know, like for a day yeah, uh, or for definitely. a week or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit less to, um, to kind of carry on that. Uh, yeah. To, to kind of take that same kind of care and compassion or whatever and, 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 and have that go, go be an integral part of a league. And this, I mean, it, it makes sense there'd be a higher proportion of professional athletes who go through it mm -hmm. because a lot of those guys are playing to make money to get out of situations that is terrible anyway. Definitely. And, um, you, you know, there's always, there's already some, I mean, there's like research showing like the, the, the likelihood of, um, of mental, mental illness being undiagnosed, especially mm -hmm. in certain community, uh, communities, um, and you know, there are definitely a lot of basketball players from those like corresponding yeah. kind of communities. So, uh, and they're self-medicating and it's <clears> like, <throat> it all just snowballs into this thing. And then plus on top of that, the pressure of being an NBA player in general. Well, and the thing is, <laughs> is that, like you start out so young too, you know what I mean? Like you're, yeah. you're coming into this league at like 18, 19 years old, um, millions of dollars, millions of dollars. And like, you've already, you, you know, you have your own, you you have your own trauma or or whatever mm -hmm. weight that you bear, um, and then compounded with all this all this other external force and expectation. Um, so I think that like thinking about that and having it on the forefront is going to be especially important for younger players coming into the league. There <clears throat> was there was an agent who came out with a thing talking about how he didn't say who his player was, but he was like, "You guys don't understand that a lot of these younger dudes, these twenty year olds, like you know, to us, I'm twenty nine. Social media, yeah, it's." a big part of my life but for a 20 year old it's 50 times a thousand times more important and he talks about the agent was talking about how hard of a time they have with negative social media comments yeah he's like these guys are born so much in right in that like girthy part of the social media generation yeah that these dudes are seeing and their exposure is so much higher yeah like, we so talked they, about they it just encounter we stuff. talked about it with the instagram stuff your exposure is so much higher but that just feeds the trolls or whatever yeah and when you're 20 and you're in that mindset like it would i mean i have no i can't even fathom it. like think about markel fultz yeah think about all the stuff he has to see of people calling him broken calling his jumper broken it's like dude he was the number He's a top pick. Like, yeah. <laughs> let the kid live. He's not. And then the thing that really gets the, I guess me, the flip side of this, though. Yeah. Is that they're, the owners are talking about wanting to access to, to mental records. health records of players, which is Such obviously a, never going to be okay. No. Luckily, the NBA has maybe the best players union 
Definitely. Um, it's better. Well, maybe baseball, but yeah, still great. Like, so I, I really don't see that as ever being real. No. I don't, and, would, I, and like like mental health stuff has always been viewed differently as like a, a physical ailment. Yeah. Um, you know, like a, a job. They don't even think of it as the same. They don't yeah. consider it an injury. It's a disorder. But yeah. it's like, no, it can be. Yeah. I mean, you like can a, fix it. Yeah. I think there's similarities and stuff between both. However, I don't think that one. Um, just, to, just to the the nature of how personal it is, I don't think that that sort of sort of stuff should necessarily be released. I mean, there's always going to be stuff like guys who, you know, we talk about not being good locker room guys or something like or that. Like a history of domestic violence. <laughs> yeah, and I just think that like that stuff, you know, kind of comes to the surface, and I can understand not wanting that to be a part of your franchise. I don't think that like I don't want to know who's maybe bipolar or OCD yeah, like that. Yeah. Also, that also fuels. I mean, fans think of the abuse that a player would go through if they found out he was OCD or something like that. Yeah. There's some fan bases that just from every single team who would purposefully do something to try and mentally... Oh, you mean like a heckling thing? Absolutely. Interesting. Like if it was... If the owners could get that information, it doesn't... I mean, it's, you know, we live in a leak-filled world. Uh, Yeah, Chris Bosh said something interesting about how, like, he thought it was, like, really big of Kevin Love to, like, come out and say all these things. But he thought, like, he's like, but the competitor in me... Like the guy who was on the court immediately yeah. thought, okay, so how can I try and exploit that? Yeah. I'm like a one-on-one. Oh, God. That's like when Kevin Garnett said Charlie Villanueva looked like a cancer patient, which is one of the more brutal things in the world. And then Kevin Garnett tried to backpedal and say, no, I said he was a cancer to his team. And we're like, yeah, I'm sure that's what you said. Uh, no, the, and the, the team's wanting the information too. I think that's a relationship that maybe you know teams will start i don't know if they do i'm sure some of them do employing mental health people that yeah. maybe the players will come just talking to that person about it mm-hmm. and not balmer or the owner or something yeah like i don't know i guess i don't know what's the best with the like the best system for that like is having a designated team person because it's also just such a like it's it's also just such a personal experience like it's it's really hard to find a therapist that you actually yeah. like gel with and want to <laughs> yeah. talk about like your deepest things on a day-to-day basis so i mean i think you know they can go wherever they want in their health network i'm sure they got great insurance <laughs> yeah uh, but they maybe, can only cover the ten dollar copay <laughs> <laughs> but maybe having like yeah maybe having a, a team person um just a vibe guy maybe not an actual yeah like maybe that's like overall kind that's of rad. Mental, mental, yeah. mental health kind of stuff. Like it, it'd be along the, it'd be like almost like a branch of HR. He's sitting on chairs backwards. He's <laughs> rapping with the kids. No. Very relatable. But it's all, it's um, all good. We, I'm really excited to see how this expands. And like you touched on, I hope it gets into the youth and stuff like that. I think that would be amazing. Um, nice. Well, right now, I think we can talk about the freshies. Yeah, guys. So this is gonna. This is our weekly Monday s- segment about our rookies. Uh, however, not a lot going on right now, so no, we're just talking new guys. Yeah, we're just talking newbies. This one we've talked a little bit about him. This one is former uh, Washington Wizard Mike Scott. Mike Scott. Mike the emoji tattoo Scott. Um, he's on a really friendly contract, four point three million dollars. Yeah, for a guy who shot forty percent from three. Incredible. He is on a one year contract. Mm, Which, that may, I mean, that makes sense. It makes sense, but it makes maybe this can kind of bleed into what we were going to talk about next. It makes kind of moving him hard if he's playing well. Oh, you're not getting an asset. Yeah, that. like you might get a second round pick or something like that if he's playing really well. But yeah, he shot 40% from three. I've read a lot of stuff and not a lot of pundits, Clippers pundits specifically, weren't too like wowed by this signing. Like it seemed like a signing that was like, oh, okay. Like I was reading a lot of grades and it was like B... B plus that C range. 
And I think I, I think, would say a solid B. I would say a solid B. He can contribute is the immediate thing. He's not some guy who's like he's already going to contribute more than Decker and Wesley Johnson. Mm-hmm. We yeah. like know that for sure. He's just another one of those guys in our stable of like just guys with a really steady, consistent output. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think we've talked about this before, how like, you know, maybe having a team that's all like really uni- 73 to 84. Yeah. That's like all like, maybe you don't have the biggest superstars. You don't have the high, high ceiling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which we love. <laughs> but, uh, you know, having a lot of like not having holes, I think is maybe a lot better. I agree than, with like, that. Just having like, than having, you know, those like yeah. real, real big peaks. And he's definitely not, a hole on offense or defense. Because mm-hmm. before we started recording, we were just kind of running down how we have a couple of really good defenders. Yeah. We got Beverly, we got Bradley, we got Luke. But then we also have some guys who are just straight free buckets for the other team. Yeah. So I think like a lineup with, uh, with you know, Luke and Scott and um, I mean, Avery and, Bradley, and Trez and Bradley would yeah. be like, would be, a, would be a pretty solid, energetic, pesky lineup, um, group. shooting. Good, yeah, good shooting. You don't have to mask Mike Scott anywhere. No. You know, because, like, I would love to see Lou Williams and Milos on the court together at one point this year, but that will never happen, I don't think. Yeah, they played really limited minutes. I mean, it's just hard to tell because... Yeah, because yeah. of the injuries. But also just the... De- I mean, the defensive rating right there is not good. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't have the numbers on me, but that's got to be... Uh... An ISO ball, I can't imagine. Those guys are doing well. But so, I think he'll might... Um, they have him coming off the bench behind Tobias. Which makes sense. It makes total sense. We're okay with that. But I kind of envisioned a lineup of P-Bev at the one, Lou at the two, just for some immediate scoring, Scott at the three, or maybe the four, Harris at the three or the four, and then Trez. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, that's what? That's one, two, three. That's three knockdown shooters. Yeah. An energetic guy in Trez, and then a lockdown defender and Beverly, who's probably going to have to work a lot more than those other guys in that lineup. Mm-hmm. But that I wouldn't be surprised if we see that lineup. Maybe we're up by six and we're trying to push a little bit more or we're down by that. You know what I mean? Like that up or down by six range where we just got to go get some buckets and maybe stop the bleeding a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the defensive, like, I'm thinking maybe Shea. Like, you could run a lineup of Shea if you want him to be having more minutes mm-hmm. with some veteran guys like Bradley at the two, Luke at the three, Scott at the four, Ooh, and I would that would and be, maybe Trez or maybe even Gortat at the five. Yeah, that man Shea at the one with a lot. That's so many. I picture those guys on the court, and I just see just arms, just all arms. the way across <laughs> yeah, the court. Dude, yeah, like all I see is a bunch of arms with heads sticking out, and that's <laughs> perfect. Like that's what defense is in the NBA. There's that clip of when the uh, Celtics real figured out that Ben Simmons just won't shoot. He's bringing the ball up the court and they all literally stand like two feet behind the three point line and are all just like have their arms out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you have nowhere to go in that situation. I'm looking at, I mean, I don't know. He's so, he's a, Mike Scott is a guy who it seems like a lot of, con, like if you were a contending team, you would have signed him because mm-hmm. you can be like, oh, let's throw him out here. So that kind of brought, put me into this mental realm of like, if a contending team does want him from us, it's hard because what would they give up if there are, you know, they're already a contending team. So it's like, I just don't know what we would, what would the realistic return would be from he is on a great contract. Second but it's, round but picks it's was the year. highest that I saw people would maybe say he would get. Yeah. Which I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, I guess I'd take a second round pick. Yeah. 
I mean, if Jerry West is drafting, I would take hell a third round pick. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I could, I don't know. He's gonna be, he's gonna contribute some good minutes. I think he's gonna be one of those quiet guys who, at the end of the year, we're gonna look at his stats and be like, oh, yeah, twelve and seven. That's also, I just good. don't get how you can be. It's four point three million dollars. Yeah, it's great. Like I, mean, like, I just don't. I don't get why anybody could be disappointed. He, he can play that. quality minutes, and he costs four million dollars. I know. Aren't we playing Wesley Johnson double that for <laughs> Wesley Johnson? Man, Wesley Johnson gets a lot of hate from a lot of places. I would say, <laughs> um, kind of undeserved, but also kind of deserved. Um, do you have any other lineups you like? Who? What? Uh, what backcourt would you like to see him with? I was saying Shea and Bradley. Shea and Bradley. But then I think him and Luke, because they're both really good from three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, having like hair, like, yeah, I guess Harrell or or maybe Gortat. No, I would like somebody like Harrell. I would like somebody then. Buzz to, around. Yeah, to have somebody that buzz in who's like really good around the rim. Um, and Trez's help you, defense is so good just because he's such a lunatic. Yeah. Like, yeah. In a good way, I mean that. Yeah, well, and Luke is really solid defensively, and, you know, Scott is a contributor. Um, We're going to see, there really does seem to be a battle right now for the team's identity of Clamp City stuff, so I'm excited to see if they really embrace that. Yeah. I guess... No, that transitions well in what we're going to talk about next. What about what about this one for you? Yeah, Lost Clampulus. Oh, <laughs> Twitter, please let us know what you think of Lost Clampulus. Uh, we'll be tweeting out that hashtag for sure. Now we can kind of this works well. Patrick Beverly was at that uh, playbook talk that Balmer and Jerry at West the had. Novo. At the Novo, but he really he was the only player there. And he's, no, I thought Shay was there as well. Oh, I, I don't know if he. I don't know if he spoke. I'm not sure if he spoke. Because Beverly is like kind of been committed to taking like more of a role within the organization. Yeah, which is so interesting to me. He's been there like a year and only played like not that many games. I think he played nine to eleven games. Yeah, but he's all in already. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. It's just kind of surprising to me because I think I've talked about with you before that this seat feels like a contract year for Beverly to me in a way because I think we only have him on the books for one more year. This yeah. is the last year. Um, Maybe there's going to be some but then weird... It, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's, yeah, it is kind of odd to see him just be like, all right, I'm in the front office now. <laughs> like, maybe we'll do that thing. Maybe he's going to become a Clipper great and we'll start doing heat type stuff where it's like, no, we'll sign you for $2 million a year. But after you retire, we'll give you a job that pays you way more money. <laughs> like, that I'm super on board with. He does seem to be trying to change the culture. Oh, like, yeah. He seems to be oh, yeah. really putting that initiative on him. Yeah. Which it, is really cool. It's really interesting. And, and you know, he's he's come out saying that we are the best the best Los Angeles team. And, I, you know, I love guys that are that are really for the organization like that, especially, you know, someone that you acquired in a trade for who was a marquee the and face. cornerstone. Yeah. Of the franchise. And on um, a year when we have two lottery picks who can learn from one of the more consummate professionals in the game. Yeah. What do you think of Clamp City? It's not my, it, I don't know. I don't think you can give that nickname until we've seen them play defense. Yeah. Yeah, we don't really know yet. It's also too close to Lob City. I think you and I have discussed that. Yeah, get away from it. Yeah. Clampulous works the best. So if the defense doesn't work out, and I've been wrestling with this every night before I go to bed. <laughs> um, at what point, because there seems to be the what the team is putting out there PR-wise is that we're making the playoffs. We're consciously trying to make the playoffs. We're going to do it. We don't get a pick if we make the playoffs. No. We don't 
Or we do get a pick. Well, it just depends. Yeah, because it's protected one through fourteen. It's protected one through fourteen. Yeah. Do you what? At what point do we tank? Um, I don't think I don't think we tank. You're just saying no. I don't think that we tank. I mm. think that we do our we do our darndest. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think that we you know we, we want to instill a winning culture in whatever the identity of this new team is. For sure. Okay. You know? I like and, that. And I I like that Bomber did say that you know it did work for the Sixers, but th- they were committed to it for a long term amount of time. This team can't really take five or six years no. of um, crap of, basketball, as he put it, <laughs> as, as Bomber put it. So I. I think that regardless of, of of how we finish, we won't willingly try to lose games. I yeah. do think that we... They're not putting Boban in for 30 minutes a game. Yeah, not I do. Not that he wouldn't crush. He, his body would just fall apart. <laughs> the court would break. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't take all the pressure. Holes in the court. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, if we're under... If we're under 500 at the all-star break, I don't see why we don't just play our rookies more. Yeah, see how it works. Experiment a little more. And I don't really see that as tanking like so much as like... Passive tanking. Not ta- I know what you're saying, but yeah. like tinkering. I guess that's more tinkering than tanking. It's more tinkering, yeah. I mean, I would really like to see that pick convey. With our with our current lineup, yeah. you know, I, I, I see us... I mean, I still think that we're being vastly overrated as a regular season team. Over or under? Or underrated, sorry. <laughs> I think we're, we're still being vastly underrated. We're I think winning the, 22 games, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> the projections, projections are at like 35 games, which I don't think is fair. Um, but I don't... I still don't see us necessarily having the experience or the pieces... Um, or just really the time together as a team to make any sort of deep playoff run. That first 14 games is such a hard test, and there's such a new blend of guys. Yeah. The, their defensive communication is going to be off. Beverly missed a lot of last year. Mm-hmm. That it's going to be. That's going to be such a hard stretch. And there's just a, like yeah, there's so there's a lot of fresh faces. And we have a lot of cap room, and yeah. so the draft. I mean, the draft is always more important than free agency. I would say. But at it's least the long term of a franchise. Yeah, but sure. at least we have that cap room. Yes. So we could maybe make some moves with somebody to take on some salaries for a pick if we want to do that. Uh-huh. Or I mean, we're at least I'm hoping and assuming we're going to get at least one marquee guy in free agency next year. And if it's just one, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Keep give us a little more money for the next year too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think because I'm kind of against the tank, I think I'd be more a fan of the tinker. I'd want to see young dudes getting more see playing Motley time, get in there. and like maybe yeah, I, I I wouldn't be too opposed to like trading an asset and taking on some salary cap for maybe some more picks or something. But maybe even not. I mean, I, I think it's still it's, well, it's obviously still way too early to tell <laughs> about the 2019 draft class. Um, well, so Bull yeah. Bull is going to end up a Clipper. Mark mark that down <laughs> right now. Bull Bull will be a Clipper. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't know. I it's also one of those things like it's shaping up to be a fun year. It's if shaping, we're good, it's shaping awesome. up to, it's shaping up to be a fun year, and this is like the this is the year that we're playing with house money. For whatever, sure, man. whatever the outcome, like great. it's all good. It's great. Like, it's, <laughs> we're great. Everything's great. Everything's great. <laughs> you know, and then also I guess you know, with so many short contracts, like yeah. who knows what our roster is going to look like next For sure. year. It could so, be, it could be like the Cavs where it's just like, we're bringing in, we're nine people are getting switched out. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We're moving everybody around. I'm just hoping none of the rookies get traded. Not that they would, but doc doesn't like young guys. Yeah. You never know. No, I'd definitely rather keep, 
keep young guys. Um, and Jerome's getting slept on right now. Yeah. People are not talking about him. Yeah. He's got some fun Instagram stories going on. Just kind of <laughs> getting real splashy out there. <laughs> He's going to be a soppy boy next year. <laughs> um, that about does it for us. You got anything else you want to tack on? No, it's a little bit of a slow news day, but... Um, I got one thing to tack on. What do you got? Uh, so, had my birthday barbecue this Saturday. Will was present. It was a fun time. Boban never got back to me. So oh, man. He probably got lost on the way. It'll happen next year. Uh, please come out to the Boban Charles Mockler <laughs> birthday bash. Uh, that's all we got. We will see you guys on Wednesday. This has been Locked On Clippers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, William the Opinion Updike. And I'm Honest Charles Mockler. All right, see you guys.